The Daily 202's Big Idea is sponsored by the American Beverage Association. Coke, Dr. Pepper, and Pepsi are offering more choices, smaller portions, less sugar. Learn more at balanceus.org. Good morning. I'm James Holman from The Washington Post, and this is The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 28th. In today's news, green parties win kingmaker status in European elections. President Trump says he's not seeking regime change in Iran. And Texas's Secretary of State steps down over his voter purge gone wrong. But first, the big idea. The first state trial of the opioid epidemic begins today in Oklahoma, and families that have lost loved ones to overdoses see a chance to finally hold the big drug companies to account. Gail Box will be following the trial closely, but she can't bring herself to come to the courthouse in Norman, the city where she last spent time with her son Austin in May 2011 when he graduated from the University of Oklahoma. Five days after that, He was unconscious in a hospital after an overdose with five different prescription painkillers and an anti-anxiety drug in his bloodstream. He died that day. He was 22 years old. Box is convinced that a stiff financial penalty against drug companies will provide accountability for her son's death, as well as providing the treatment and other services that substance users need. Much has changed since Oklahoma Attorney General Mike Hunter sued three drug companies and their subsidiaries 23 months ago alleging that they're responsible for this scourge. The central character in the epidemic, Purdue Pharma, has settled with the state for $270 million and will not be on trial in Judge Thad Balkman's courtroom. On Sunday, a second defendant, Teva Pharmaceuticals, settled out of court for $85 million. The state has dropped all but one accusation against the remaining company, Johnson & Johnson, and is pinning its strategy on a very novel use of Oklahoma law. The single charge is that the drug company created a public nuisance, a violation historically alleged when one party's activities negatively affect others, like a neighborhood crack house or a factory that pollutes a waterway. In this case, Oklahoma is seeking a penalty to abate the crisis, alleging in court that it will take as much as $17.5 billion over the next 20 to 30 years to compensate for the damage that's been done. The companies say they responsibly marketed legitimate narcotics that were approved by the FDA to quell pain. They say they can't be linked to deaths from illegal abuse of those drugs. John Sparks, a lawyer for Johnson & Johnson, said he's confident that the company acted responsibly, and he points to efforts made to prevent the products from being misused. With Judge Balkman refusing to delay today's court date even after Teva pulled out, Oklahoma's case will be the first of more than 40 state lawsuits to actually come to trial. It's being closely watched elsewhere. During two years of pre-trial battles, the number of people who have lost loved ones to opioid overdoses or seen lives ruined by addiction has steadily grown larger. In Oklahoma and elsewhere, they are among those most interested in the outcome. As Bill Guy, an Oklahoma teachers union organizer whose 34-year-old son Chris died of a heroin overdose in 2016, put it to my colleague Lenny Bernstein, it's a club nobody wants to join. And that's the big idea. Here are three other headlines that should be on your radar. Number one, green parties are cheering EU election results that vaulted them into a kingmaking position of power. 
as voters abandoned traditional political parties in favor of climate-focused activists in a green wave that swept across several countries. The results propelled the Greens into second place in Germany and third place in France and elsewhere, amid a surge in excitement from young voters who faulted old-school parties for ignoring their concerns about the environment and offering few alternatives for a generation beset by economic pain following the global financial crisis. In an election for the European Parliament in which far-right anti-immigration buccaneers also gained modestly to post their best-ever result, the good showing for the Greens might have the biggest impact on policy. The center-left and center-right parties that have long jointly ruled the parliament have lost their majority, meaning they will need to depend on Greens and other centrists to advance their agenda. The far-right, meanwhile, captured about a quarter of the seats. That's up from a fifth. It's just enough to entrench their angry voices of protest and cause trouble in the legislature, but not enough to actually enact their agenda. In Britain, voters embraced the parties who took the clearest stances on Brexit, in the EU elections. Nigel Farage's single-issue Brexit party was the clear winner of the elections, with the potential to impact the race over who becomes the next British prime minister. The pro-EU Liberal Democrats and the Greens made significant gains as well. They have a simple message on Brexit. Stop it. And this is key. Overall, support for all the parties that are unabashedly pro-European was slightly higher than those that are pushing for a hard Brexit. Bottom line, Britain is as divided as ever. Number two, defying his own advisors during a news conference before he left Tokyo to return to Washington, Trump on Monday denied that North Korea has fired any ballistic missiles. He again sided with Kim Jong-un as well over former Vice President Joe Biden after his Democratic rival was branded a, quote, Fool of low IQ by North Korean state media for calling the North Korean leader a dictator. At a joint appearance with Japan's Prime Minister Shinzo Abe, Trump gave cover to Kim as he directly contradicted his own national security advisor, John Bolton, as well as Abe, by insisting that Pyongyang had not launched ballistic missiles this month or violated UN Security Council resolutions, which the Japanese and the American government have repeatedly said. When pressed on this point, the president added that he was not personally bothered by North Korea's short-range missile tests this month. Trump also insisted that the United States is, quote, not looking for regime change in Iran. He announced the deployment of 1,500 additional troops to the Middle East over the weekend. Number three, Texas's acting Secretary of State David Whitley was forced out last night after leading a botched voter purge that wrongly identified tens of thousands of naturalized citizens as potential non-citizens who were illegally registered. The Texas State Senate failed to confirm him to the position by a two-thirds majority on the last day of the legislative session. Whitley, a former top aide to Texas Governor Greg Abbott, a Republican, spent less than six months on the job. He revealed the results of his voter investigation in January, pushing unsupported fears of rampant fraud while emboldening Trump, who touted his findings. It turned out they had made basic programming errors, which pulled about 25,000 totally legitimate voters into their dragnet. Numerous voting rights groups sued on behalf of threatened eligible voters in three separate federal lawsuits. In one of them, a federal judge in February blocked Texas from carrying out what he called a ham-handed and threatening voter purge effort. He said there was no evidence of widespread voter fraud in Texas. And that's The Daily 202 for Tuesday, May 28th. 
Thanks for listening. I'm James Hellman. I'll talk to you tomorrow.